The Spirit of God is moving. The church of God is moving. Can you feel the Spirit here today? Can you sense the move of His Holy Spirit? God wants to speak into our lives. He does not want to be contained into a box, if you will. And many times that's what we do. We keep him in a box. We refrain him and restrain him from doing the things that he wants to do. He wants to cause us to grow. He wants to strengthen our faith. And yes, he does want to stretch us a little bit. Does he, doesn't he do that? Or am I the only one that he does that to? Because sometimes I got to tell you, I don't know if I can take it all. But I know that I know that I know that he will never leave me. I know that he will never forsake me. I know that he'll never throw me under the bus. You ever been thrown under the bus before? (laughs) You ever caught a few darts in your back? Yeah. Yeah. God won't do God won't do that. God won't do that. The Bible says, those who trust in me will not be put to shame. Those who trust in me will not be disappointed. Is your trust in the Lord this morning? Or is your trust in the government? Is your trust now now? Nobody asked you for all that. (laughs) Is your trust in your money? Is your trust in your mom or dad? Is your trust in your pastor? Because every single one of those things can let you down. But if your trust and your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Rock, our high tower of strength. If your hope is in that, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what may come in our lives. Because if our hope is there, The winds may come and the storms may rage and the waves may crash against our house. But we will stand. We will stand. And I'm sure that you've heard the story and and we've spoken about it many times here and it's just a great example and I love it that the man that built his house upon the sand and it would seem like a great place to have a house, wouldn't it? And you, you can see the... Maybe like a Gilligan's Island sort of a house on the beach. Huh? Wouldn't that be great? Gilligan's Island and on the beach and we're all drinking from coconuts. Yes. It would seem like a great place to be. Palm branches and all these things. But then the winds came up and it drove the water up onto the sand. And the winds crashed against that house. And the waves begin to crash against that house. And pretty soon, that house began to creak. 
And that lovely place was not such a lovely place to be anymore. And all of a sudden, that house that was paradise, so he thought, crashed. The Bible says it fell with a mighty crash. And then there was a house that a man built upon a rock. And this rock was strong, and it was firm. And it may have taken a little more time for this house to be built, but those same winds of difficulty and adversity came against that man's house. And the winds began to blow the waves, and the winds began to blow against that house. And the waves crashed against that house just as they had that other house. But that house never moved. That house didn't move. Why? Because it was built on the rock. Its foundation was firm. Do you know that everything that you build on the foundation is either strong or weak depending on how strong the foundation is. When you go to buy a house or to build a house, the first thing that you're concerned about is the foundation. All right? If you're buying a house that's already built, you're checking for cracks in that foundation. You're checking to see if somebody else has had trouble with that foundation. You're checking to see if there's been repairs. You want to know that when you purchase that house that it's going to stand. When you're building a house, the first thing that you're concerned about is that foundation. All right? If you build that foundation right and it's strong, then everything that's built on that foundation will be strong as well. And it'll stand. Our lives, it is vitally important that our lives are built on a firm foundation. And that firm foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking religion. I'm not talking church. I'm talking the rock of our salvation, which is Jesus Christ. You see, if we build our house and our lives on the church, as we can see in the world today, the church can be led astray. The church can crumble. The church can split. The church can do so many different things and follow after every wind of doctrine, as it were. So we don't follow after the church. We don't follow religion. We follow the master. The master. The master. And you know that scripture. Would you turn with me to Psalm 23? Maybe you've forgotten this scripture. Psalm 23. He is our shepherd. He's our leader. We follow him. Where he leads, we follow, yes? He's our leader. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not be in want. He's going to give me what I need when I need it. Amen. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. Yes? Lush green pastures. And he says, stay here a while. Rest, take your fill. He leads me beside quiet waters. When I hear of quiet waters, I hear tranquility, peacefulness, yes? As if you could hear the rustling of the brook. Don't you just love that? Can you picture that in your mind? The rustling of that brook and how peaceful and how still and how quiet it is. And that water is just so tasty. And it quenches our thirst. He restores my soul. He fulfills me. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. If he doesn't guide us in the paths of righteousness and we stumble and fall, we carry his name with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you here have felt like you've walked through or are walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Have you ever felt like that? That there's just a cloud that's coming over you and no matter where you go, that cloud just follows you around. The valley of the shadow of death. But it says, I will fear no evil because I'm strong. I've got what it takes. No, no, no. Why, am I, why do I not fear evil? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They have a, that, they got a hook on the end of it. You know why that is? That's to grab a hold of the sheep that's going astray. Hey, get over here. Where are you going? You're going off to a place that's dangerous. You're leaving the safety of the flock. Don't do that. Come back over here. And that rod, they would take that thing and they would just tap them, tap them along the backside. Say, hey, get back over here. Hmm. Your rod and your staff... They comfort me because I know that you're protecting me. Amen? Amen. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, those two things don't, think, don't seem like they ought to be in the same sentence, do they? You prepare a table before me. We're going to sit down and eat, even though arrows are flying over our heads. But that's just the very thing that he is painting the picture that's being painted here. Even though we're in war, yes, spiritual battle, as Ephesians 6 would say, okay, against principalities and powers, we're setting down together with God, and we're going to have us a meal. We're eating together, peaceful, in the presence of our God. Even though 
the enemy is all around us. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I have everything that I could need. You, you provide it for me. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And listen to this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, let these words, let the scriptures comfort you today. My sister, would you come? Yes. Sister, come here. Yes. Come on right up here. My friends and family, this is my friend Melanie, and she is from West Virginia, West Virginia all the way from West Virginia. She, I'm going to give this to you, she has come here to talk a little bit and maybe set the stage for what we might see and hear this evening. Yes. Is that right? So I want to just pray quick for you, Absolutely. and then uh, we'll give you the floor. Okay. okay? Thank you very much. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. I thank you so much for my sister all the way from West Virginia here, and we're so glad to have her today. I pray that you would speak through her mouth, Lord, today. I pray that you would encourage the body through her today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's all yours. Thank you. Amen. Good morning, church. I cannot tell you how excited we are. I say we because we are a team. The young lady with me, her name is Julie. Uh, Deborah Davis is at another church this morning doing something similar to, to this. She's ministering as well. But I cannot tell you how excited and thrilled we are to be here. It is an honor. It is an honor to be here with you all today. And I will say y'all. <laughs> I will do that. You all can tell. There I go. I ain't from these parts. <laughs> we have been welcomed with open arms and love and hospitality, graciousness, generosity that has just blown us away. We feel like we are family. We feel like we've been grafted into a community and part of a family, of, of the body of Christ especially. We love our pastors. We love churches. We love the body of Christ. We're about oneness and unity in our community. In, in West Virginia, as you have heard in the media, um, about a revival that is going on. Um, we have, there's, there's been some prayer um, initiatives in West Virginia for many years. There's been intercessors that God has raised up probably maybe far back as 20 or 30 years. And we are just now seeing the fruits of their labor. I will tell you, we've met in our capital rotunda in Charleston, West Virginia, in the seat of the government of our state, and have had prayer initiatives. We pray for our politicians and our governor that there would be a great shaking and awaking in our state's capital. Because we, well, you don't have to look very far. Just turn the news on, and you can see what's happening in our world today, you know? And we pray for them. We pray for our spiritual leadership of our, of our 
state, of our communities, and of our nation. Because we want transformational revival. It's good to come to church. Don't get me wrong, folks. It is good to come to church. This is where we get fed. This is where the pastor feeds us and corrects us if necessary at times. We need that. I love to worship with my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I love to do that. There is such an anointing there when that happens. The Lord just comes in and he just tabernacles. He sits on the praises of his people. He comes and he he just tabernacles with us. He hangs out because he loves us that much. He loves his people. He's a good, good God. He's a good father. Recently in West Virginia, in it began in a little county called Mingo, Mingo County. There's a lot of American Indian heritage there. But in Mingo County, it's kind of like Nazareth in the Bible because they, they're like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So the question in our area of the woods was, what good can there come out of Mingo County? But God picked Mingo County. It began. A young evangelist um, went to this church by invitation and began a revival. The church burst at the seams. So many people came. They had to move to a field house, which is where they play volleyball and basketball and things of that nature. It's sports-oriented. And thousands and thousands of people it made national news thousands of people attended and I will tell you this I witnessed it myself children well and adults too I will say it's 85 to 90 percent kids it's the youth hallelujah it's the youth it's a generation the youth were nine rows deep standing their hands raised worshiping God, just wanting more of Jesus. They, they didn't know about rank. They didn't know about denomination. They didn't know about this theology, doctrine. They didn't know any of that. They just wanted Jesus. And that's what the evangelist was teaching and preaching that night, was just Jesus. And even at the mention of that name, what happens? You can even, you can just feel it, just Jesus. Jesus. Now, I'm a Church of God girl, and I'm Pentecostal, and we do like to get that on from time to time. But (laughs) I will tell you now. But just the mention of that name, just the mention of his name. I can't get off of that for some reason. I don't know. I can't get off of the name of Jesus. He's just awesome. He's just awesome. He's just all that and then some. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? He's a good God, a good God to be praised. Even in the midst of a mess, he's a good God to be praised. Oh, and what great plans he has. What great plans he has for you individually. What great plans he has for this church corporately. You know, we can't imagine or even dream or think that high, but he does. So we see these kids get saved. The revival in Mingo County bled over into a neighboring county, into Logan County. Again, with a lot of American Indian heritage there. Again, thousands of kids were saved, adults too. People were getting saved on the job. And marketplace salvation, marketplace ministry. Folks, I'm here to tell you, it's time for the church to arise. 
it's wonderful and safe within the walls and on our seats and in our chairs and air conditioning or whatever. But God is putting a mandate on the church. It's time to go out onto the streets. It's time to rise and be the believers we profess to be on our workplace, in the hospital, in Walmart, wherever God calls you to be. You don't have to have a degree before your name or after your name. You don't have to have all them letters. You just need to love Jesus. Show Jesus. Just show him to your community. One voice was birthed out of one of these transformational revivals in Manchester, Kentucky. Some of you may have heard about that. It happened a few years ago. Pastor Doug Abner was um, the spiritual leader at that time. And our director, she'll allude to that more. I hope each one of you can come to the awakening service tonight. Please come. Please come. It's, it's where a fire will begin in your community. A fire will begin in you personally, in your homes, your jobs, your school. Wherever the Lord places you and plants you, it will begin there. But one voice was birthed out of this transformational revival and um, Deborah, again, our director, they met, she and some leaders in her community, spiritual leaders, housewives, moms, dads, met for five and a half years every Saturday morning at 5, 5 a.m., and prayed, prayed for their community, prayed for their pastors, prayed for their leaders, prayed for their sheriff, their police, prayed for everybody they could think of, just interceded for their community. And she'll tell you why I don't want to steal her thunder or her testimony because she can do it a lot better than I can. They were burying their children because of pill addiction, because of drug abuse. She lives in a little town called Oceana, dubbed by the media Oxiana. That's how bad it was. There was even a documentary published a few years ago called Oxiana. And it's available. It's out there now somewhere. Did not paint a good picture of that community at all. But because of prayer and steadfastness in faith, holding on to the horns of the altar, not giving up and saying, but God, you said, you said in your word, you said in your word, they held on. Churches came together in unity. They did prayer walks through their community. And what really, really prompted it, a mother who was also a school teacher could not take her children to the park because of syringes laying everywhere. The little girl wanted to do cartwheels and have fun and be a little girl, but her mommy wouldn't let her because of all of the drug paraphernalia that was there. She may get stabbed with a needle. And it's true in Beckley. Beckley's about one hour away from where um, Deborah lives in Oceana. And that's, that, that's true. Out, outside of our courthouse in the county where I live, <laughs> this couple got out of their car and looked down, and there's a syringe. This is outside of our courthouse, the magistrate's office, <laughs> where judicial things happen. But someone was shooting up in the parking lot outside. I mean, story after story like that. But what transformational revival is all about is... The church becoming the church. Getting outside in our communities. Showing drug addicts the love of Christ. We were in your county's jail last night. 
ministering to inmates, male and female. It was wonderful. If you all would ever have the opportunity, uh, Pastor Tim Lindsay is a chaplain there. He got us in. We spent some time with the inmates, and we sang some songs, shared some stories, and even a hug or two, and shed some tears. <laughs> and it was wonderful. You, you, you know, just showing them the love of Christ, that they care. You know, that someone cares about them. Yes, they committed a crime. They haven't made all the best choices in the world. But is there anyone in this room who has? Thank God for his grace. But for the grace of God, there go we. That could be one of our loved ones. So that's just one of the things. In Raleigh County, we work with judges and attorneys, prosecuting attorneys, for the juvenile and the adult drug court treatment teams. We sit there. We see the participants come in, you know, and it, this, is, this is such a God thing because they know we are faith-based. One voice is faith-based, Christ-centered. We do not compromise on that. Every one of our offices has a prayer room in it that is saturated with prayer. God tabernacles there. And all of those years, this ministry has been seated in prayer for over five years. It just didn't pop up overnight. It just didn't happen. There was some tealing and some tears and toil that went along with that. So we work with the juveniles and the adults. We provide community service hours for them. If they want to come in and, you know, do some, do some work, accrue some community service hours, that won't be a problem. But in preparation and coming here, I was in prayer this morning, and just some scriptures kind of came to my mind because I told the Lord, I said, you know, God, I don't want to just show up and talk. Anybody could do that. And I'm a chatty Kathy. I guess y'all figured that out by now. But I, I want to leave you with some word. Jesus, after his resurrection, he said in the last chapter in Matthew, he said, you know, go. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And that little word says, therefore. In other words, because of this, because I've been given the authority in heaven and on earth, I'm sending you. I want you to go. Jesus has all power. He has all authority. Washington might like to think they do. Hey, but who holds the heart of the king's hand? Or who, who, holds his, who holds that heart? Who's got that? Our God. Our God who reigns. Our God who's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So, I guess it's a challenge this morning. Rise up and be the church. We have God's stamp of approval on it. He's gifted each one of us with talents and gifts, creativity, inventiveness that we can go out, bake a cake, do something for someone on the street, feed a homeless man hot dogs. That's what we did. You know, we're, we're not all that. It doesn't take rocket science. And we give out clothing you know, we feed the hungry, clothe the naked. We do all of that. But because Jesus said that all authority and power has been given unto him, 
He said, therefore, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. There's a theme, one of the favorite books of the Bible that I like is Ephesians. There is a theme in the book of Ephesians. It's sit, walk, and stand. In chapter 2, because when we believed in God, God just didn't stop there. No, he he didn't just stop there so we could believe in him and have fire insurance, as we say down south, if you know what that means. (laughs) That's fire insurance. But he said, I am seating you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If that's not a position from which to function, I don't know what is. He didn't stop there. Then Paul goes on to say, walk therefore according to the vocation wherewith you are called. We are called to be children of the Most High. We are called to be ambassadors. We're called to be disciples. We are called to love our neighbor. We are called, we have, we've already been deputized over in Luke ten nineteen. another one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority. I give you the power, but that really means delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So we got to walk and fulfill the vocation wherewith we are called. And then thirdly, we got to stand. Ephesians chapter 6 talk about stand ye therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Oh, I could teach on that, Pastor. Whew. Your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace, the sword of the Spirit. God has equipped us with this stuff. Church, we've not been set up for failure. We've been set up to succeed to succeed. We are overcomers. We are overcomers. Don't let the death of Jesus be in vain. He shed that precious blood. Let us tap into our inheritance. See, this is what transformational revival is all about. Yes, getting people saved, getting the addict set free, maybe getting corruption out of politics. Lord, help us there. (laughs) You know, getting, getting our sheriffs saved. Now, the sheriff in Raleigh County is a born-again Christian. He is born, we are so happy. Our mayor is born again in Beckley. We are so blessed to have the leadership team we do in Beckley. I know it's not that way in many areas. But there are churches who have prayer initiatives there. We come together and we work together in doing that. But my point is this transformational revival begins here it begins in each one of our hearts then it grows out corporately then it grows out into our community what would your community look like if transformation revival spread out with the jails empty i thought about that last night and there's a prison in west virginia called mount olive it's very notorious for bad things. That's all I'm going to say about that. Do you know a revival has broken out there? 
I forget how many inmates have been saved. Close to 100 by now, I think. They're preparing to do baptisms in prison. That's just down the holler away (laughs) in West Virginia. And it's just not in our state. It's happening everywhere. These little pockets of revival. And I'm sorry, this transformational revival is going to usher in the coming of our king. The coming of our king. The church will exit. I do believe that. The rapture will occur. But I also think we're not going to leave poor. We're not going to leave decrepit. We're going to leave out of here with a mark on history. With a mark on history, folks. That's what I truly believe. Because when the children of Israel left left, uh, Egypt, read your Bible. There was none feeble among them. They, the Egyptians blessed them with silver and gold, but they didn't heap it upon themselves. What did they do with it? They brought it to the tabernacle of God to prepare for him a dwelling place. To prepare for him a dwelling place. Folks, it's about Jesus. It's about acting on what we have learned within the confines of church. It's about doing what pastors have taught us to do. It's about putting to action Sunday school lessons that we've been taught over the years. And it can be a very simple thing. At One Voice in Raleigh County, we're situated on a college campus. Now, if that ain't a God thing, I don't know what is. West Virginia University is coming to Beckley. And the number one party school (laughs) on the East Coast. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. It's a hotbed for ministry, and we're just eager, very eager. West Virginia, as Debbie was talking about last night, is 50 and everything, you know. (laughs) But we are number one in heroin overdoses. That's sad. I'm tired of that. On my watch. I'm tired of that. On our watch, I'm tired of that. That's not what God wants for our community. We see broken families all the time. Mommies and daddies in jail, out of jail, home confinement, GPS monitoring. I hear the judge in juvenile drug court tell participants, young Johnny and young Susie, now you go to bed early and you stop playing video games late at night, stop doing drugs, You need to attend school and wear something different than what you got on. Dress properly for court, you know. And I'm thinking, good Lord, he's the parent. A treatment team, as as a member of the treatment team, we're sitting there acting as though we're the parent now. I thought, what's happened to our society? Doug Abner, the leader of um, the Appalachian Dawn, the pastor there, said something, and it's true. He said, the problem is not the darkness. It's a lack of light. And saints, what are we? Jesus said it himself, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We should conduct ourselves in such a way that it makes somebody want to be like us. I want that peace that you have. I want that confidence you have. Your whole world's falling apart, but you're walking in peace. You've got a smile on your face. Who is this man named Jesus that you talk about? I want to know him. I want to know him. He's such a good God. Such a good God. 
Such a good God. Pastor, I can't get off that. He is such a good God. Such a good God. Hallelujah. He's such a good God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is so good. His mercies endure forever. He's our everlasting Father. He's our Prince of Peace. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord that provides. He's Jehovah Shema. He is the Lord who is there. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, my healer. Oh, how many can attest to that today? How many people have been delivered and set free from an illness? Your child set free. He's Jehovah Rohe. He is the good shepherd. Oh, he is so good. We got to tell our communities how good he is. He is so good. He's so awesome and amazing. This God of ours, I mean, he's flung the stars out just like that. Like it's nothing. He's got them all named. Can you, he has our hairs numbered. Now, who would do that for you? I, I have less. I found one gray one the other day. thought I was just, hey, I told my beautician, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? This is not good. So, nonetheless, church, I do not want to belabor your time. I so appreciate the opportunity. You and I have never met. <laughs> you are so trusting. Thank you. <laughs> Very trusting man. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Praise God. Thank you. I'm gonna, I would like I would like for uh, you to stay here and just for a moment. And I would like for our elders and anyone else that would like to pray, Pastor Stan. Pastor Stan Thurber's in the house, folks. <laughs> prayer team, if you guys want to come on up, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our sister here, and we're going to pray for tonight's service, okay? So any of you that want to pray, just come on up. We're going to pray. Let's, let's join hands here. I'm going to take this, and we'll just put that right down. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's just join hands, everybody. Form a, form a big old circle here. Spread out now. There we go. Do this right. All right. All right, are we good? Close the circle, close the circle. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, we just come before you today. We humble ourselves, oh God. We cry out to you today, oh God. Lord, we need you. Our nation needs you, God. Our churches need you. Our communities need you. Our families need you, God. The world needs you, Jesus. We don't need religion. We don't need more churches. We need Jesus. So, God, we're asking that you come and that you inhabit the praises of your people. Father, we pray for our sister Melanie, Lord Jesus, when it's time for her to go home. Oh, God, that your Holy Spirit would go with her and Julie and Debbie and all the others, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would empower them and sustain them and that you would sustain that work that's going on down there, Lord Jesus. And let them know that their brothers and sisters in a small town in Medina, New York, love them and are praying for them and are interceding for them. Father, we pray that tonight when we meet together, the Lord Jesus, that you would be there. We're there for you, God. We hunger for you. And we're asking 
that your Holy Spirit shows up in a big way. We pray that you would move in the midst of your people, Lord. That's what we want. We just want you, Jesus. We want you. And we pray that your name would be lifted high. We pray these things for your glory, for your honor, and for your renown. In the name of Jesus, amen.